but I wanted him to sleep on my lap. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> but now he's struggling, so I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> oh, I know. It's so funny because sometimes I feel like when you, because I do that a lot too, I'm like, oh, you're so cute. Come to me. And sometimes they're like, all right. And other times they're like, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um. Hello. Hello. And welcome to Paranormal Captivity. <laughs> Where awkward silences abound. (laughs) (laughs) I was just doing that for purposes of the joke, I suppose. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh my god, Julia, I've been meaning to tell you, but I was waiting to tell you on here. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm on tour right now with And That's Why We Drink, which is super fun and great. Uh, We're in St. Louis right now, but we were in Kansas City uh two nights two nights ago and oh my god this girl came up to me and was like i love cats too and showed me the most beautiful fucking cat tattoo that i have ever <laughs> seen and i was like holy crap i want to steal your tattoo <laughs> put it on, I my want body. That on my body <laughs> yeah yeah it was so pretty it was like it was her cat too she said it was her cat Aww. and it was like in in the middle of like um it just was such beautiful art like everything was really detailed and then it had all of these like flowers and leaves and kind of like floral arrangements around it oh it just looked so good and basically what I'm saying is we should definitely get cat tattoos at some point I know you already have some planned but I do have tattoos planned right now none of them are cat related I do want tattoos of all of my cats but it's kind of like who do I start with you know I have so many that's true what are you gonna do how how do you even go forth with (laughs) 11 cats in your life (laughs) Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, I will start with Serenita because she is uh, the the OG cat in my life. I feel like it's crazy that I think we actually haven't talked about Serenita yet on the podcast, but it's which is crazy because I think Serenita was like probably one of our like high points in cat loving because <laughs> she just is like the greatest cat of all time. Yeah, I think she might have come up like one or two times I think people oh, okay. have probably heard us say Serenita before and been like what the fuck is that and like <laughs> moved on that's true we probably didn't even explain I kind of forget that Serenita is not a real name anymore <laughs> Serenita is not really a real name but it was the name of one of the greatest cats that ever walked this earth oh her name was us with her presence <laughs> her name was Serenita well no what was her full name um oh no put me on the spot I don't know if I can do this <laughs> so basically what happened is our like childhood family friends um there was a basically Julia and I both had friends in the same family and I was it was Aaron right who made up the name oh I can't remember if it was Aaron or Johanna they were both oh. like equally weird yeah in their, in their childhood they've like both settled down now but they were like pretty strange children <laughs> which is why we were drawn to them yeah 
Um, but yeah, one one or the other came up with these like really ridiculously long names. And it was basically just like five or six like nonsense words strung together. So Serenita's name was something really really long and ridiculous and Serenita was like the fourth or fifth word in this like long string of names and I picked it out because I was like oh I like that I'm gonna name a cat that but it's it's like not a real word it's not a real name no (laughs) I was was in fifth grade everyone I thought it was a real name when it absolutely was not it's definitely a bunch of nonsense strung together but I think I might remember it actually so tell me maybe fact check it but I think it was Swiss foot Papa Dude Air Moodle Puss Serenita Bread Ooh, that sounds almost right. I think maybe one or two of those are wrong, but that is along the lines of what it was. It definitely, like, I think a lot of that is just coming from, like, you know how, like, I actually was just telling someone recently how I just fucking loved the Celine Dion French album growing up. Oh, okay. How this, I know, believe me, it will tie in, I promise. But how I, like, thought that I knew French and basically I just knew like French sounds like I knew how to make uh sound like a French word but they I didn't did not 100% did not know actual French words like it kind of feels similar to that and like I feel like I'm just saying noises of what I remember it sounding like but it's like it's like the the reflex noise where you start it and you're like yeah I'm gonna power the way through and you get to the end and you're like I don't think that was right like no (laughs) I kind of dropped off somewhere yeah Yeah. (laughs) yeah for sure but But, yeah that was kind of the general general gist and then serenita herself was just the greatest fucking cat of all time yeah she was pretty she was pretty one of a kind i would say she was about 20 pounds her whole life so she was like a hefty cat yeah and i think i think that is like like fat and sassy is probably Mm -hmm. like her in like a phrase you know if you wanted to like encompass it all in one like she was a hefty cat where you know like the jiggle swung as as, (laughs) as she walked her entire life she was just like kind of a a bulldog of a cat she was and like she really notoriously like um there are a couple like infamous stories of her in our family and one of them is that she chased a uh like a 90 pound German shepherd out of our yard (laughs) (laughs) 90 pounds Eva he was 200 (laughs) seriously Oh my god! Yeah, he was—he was like a king shepherd. He was like a massive dog. Oh yikes! Okay, well, props to Serenita then. (laughs) Yeah, probably, probably not actually two hundred. We say two hundred. That is probably an exaggeration, but he was definitely bigger than a ninety-pound dog. Like I'm pretty sure Dewey was a ninety-pound dog, and this dog was like easily Dewey size, but like a German shepherd. That's Dewey. Dewey was our Weimariner, so he was like tall and big, but like super wiry. Yeah, this dog was just. Yeah, the dog that Serenita chased out of our yard was just, like, a massive, like, floof of a (laughs) German Shepherd. And to be fair to Lindsay, this dog, he was the sweetest dog. So I don't think he was, like, (laughs) going to put up a fight. Oh, I'm sure he did not deserve it because Serenita (laughs) never, nothing was ever based on, like, it was always just, like, personal affront. It was never, like, actual. (laughs) you're actually doing anything wrong yeah my other favorite thing that she did she I always tell this story to you is that she would we had like one the way that our like living room was set up at one point there was like one walkway in and out of the living room and there was this big our dad's big blue like recliner chair was kind of near it like one of the ways that you would like anyway you'd walk by it getting into the living room and she would perch herself like over she would have like a paw on either side of the armrest she would just like kind of floof out over the whole side of the armrest 
and uh, I'm like doing hand motions even though I know <laughs> no one can see me <laughs> um and she would fucking wait she would like lie in wait just like kind of casually like draped over this armrest just waiting and our dogs always knew but they always liked to get in and out that was the way they had to go and Serenita would, Serenita would just like smack them she would just like <laughs> wait for them to pass and then like smack them either on their I mean she wouldn't like 100% she would never hurt them but she would always just like want to get a little aggression out and she'd always like either slap them on their Usually, I think it was their tails. Like, I think she yeah, always tried to grab their tails. Yeah. I think she, she liked playing with their tails as they walked past. <laughs> yeah. She also, lady after my own heart, <laughs> was not a fan of children. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> oh, my God. She really was which, kind of you encompassed as a cat. Yeah. Which cracks me up because, like, obviously, I, as a, a human being, have to, like, hold people's babies and, like, you know, in converse with children on, you know, like, when they come into the house. I'm not mean to them, of course, because... <laughs> Because you know they're small I, and vulnerable. Because I know how to behave myself. <laughs> <laughs> but you have Serenita in the things, is what you're saying. <laughs> but Serenita just like would not stand for having children in our house. Okay, I and I don't know where it came from because I don't think we had like aggressive children in in our house at any no. point. Like I'm not sure she was ever like a abused by children at all like we never no. like as a as a kitten she never had like bad experiences with them it was just like as an adult cat she had no patience <laughs> for anything smaller than like waist high <laughs> yeah it was definitely the epitome of like i'm too old for this shit even though she was only like two <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah she just like wouldn't stand for it and so then <laughs> i remember we used to have like this big church party at our yeah. house I was every, just thinking about that every again. fall and she had I think it was after like a notoriously bad year we had to lock her in like one room <laughs> during that entire party it was like every time we had the fall festival we were like someone grab Serenita and put her in the master bedroom because she cannot be out <laughs> she will smack too many children <laughs> it's true I think she would like follow them around too it wasn't even like she would like wait yeah, for them she to hunted come them oh my god she's just so great yeah serenita 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 you beautiful soul r.i.p yeah she was she was a childhood cat of ours yeah Um, but she was like my first cat that i claimed as like my own even though i was like 10 (laughs) yeah yeah that was definitely like yeah she was she she will have to be the first cat memorialized on my body somehow you should do it like well not to tell you any one way or another you could do it mm-hmm. um, that really iconic picture of you with her just like slouched over like sitting like a person on your lap oh yeah if I get a tattoo of Serenita it's definitely gonna be her sitting as a person yeah because that was I think her other trademark was I used to um, prop her up on my lap you know in person form and I feel like animals do this a lot but she was so fat that her fat would just like blob out and she could hold yeah. herself upright <laughs> she was so good at that she was so good at it and it was so much fun because I would pull her up into my lap and have her sitting like with me at the dinner table and I could just like you know be eating and then like feed her a little bit and then like, keep eating <laughs> which is probably funny. Maybe, not healthy but maybe she just chased all the kids away because she wanted to be your ba- baby like she was just trying to be like I'm the one that needs to be like coddled and treated like a lull yeah I mean there was no no she was in no danger of being replaced by a child in my life (laughs) I mean 
that's true she just wanted to make doubly doubly sure though (laughs) no i think it's just like kids have like a weird energy and i think sometimes animals are like nope don't trust that which is true because they should not children are notoriously bad at like not being able to control their tail pulling instincts yeah no for sure so i think serenita just like picked up on that and was really proactive about being like absolutely not i know it could happen and i'm not into it which actually is a really great segue into the book just because i was kind of thinking about like serenita you and serenita just had such a connection and in this one like there are a couple or in this like segment that we read there are a couple like little places where you get a little bit more of like not just quillerin's like gruff like like oh the cats are silly or like whatever but like you get a little bit of coco kind of taking care of him kind of coco taking care of him so i read this a while ago you're gonna have to remind me what (laughs) segment i like picked it back up again and started skimming it and i skimmed the first page and was like oh yeah i totally remember this (laughs) and then i and then i gave up (laughs) oh fair fair well it is funny because like so you guys probably could tell from the last episode julia had read uh, well on my suggestion had read ahead (laughs) and i had totally bailed on the second part because we were going to try to record two episodes before I went out of town. Um, and then I was the one that was like, oh, sorry, can't do the thing that I was going to suggest that we did do. Um, so it was funny because, like, you knew so much about this part. I remember because you kept bringing and it up. I don't know, <laughs> know any of it. <laughs> my, how the tables have turned. <laughs> oh, how the tables have turned. Yeah, I feel like this is just how my memory works. It, like, holds things for a very short period of time. And I have extended too too far past that time for any of this <laughs> <It's fair. laughs> to still be in there i'll remember as we go along though that's, that's what i'm banking on well i also i did just read it because i power read it at the last minute so i feel like nice. i'm pretty fresh not to toot my own horn here but nice could, nice i'm pro- it's probably gonna happen again like it always does that i'm like and then this happened and then nothing else and you're like hello there's like a whole nother <laughs> you're skipping whole chapters yeah <laughs> um so yeah, so this time, so uh, we are still reading The Cat Who Moved a Mountain. Um, we're reading... Part du. No, part... What? Part toi. <laughs> See, I already forget what part we're yeah, on. Yeah, you're already... <laughs> at least we like fill in, I think, for each other. That's at least yeah. <laughs> the good part. We could never get rid of each other on this podcast. <laughs> yeah. Together, we complete the book. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) So I think last time we left Quillerin after having gone to a cocktail party and then Uh gone back to the house and he had, um, there were a couple like things that we tried to turn into cliffhangers that, you know, weren't super (laughs) cliffhangers. But like the Coco acting weird. Oh no, what is it? It's a hair. (laughs) Just a hair. Uh, but we do not even like a scandalous hair the hair of someone whose purse you dug through yeah it wasn't even a clue at least as far as (laughs) we know yet no it wasn't i mean it kind of it was uh like what do you what do you call that red catching catching him red-handed we it was like i guess proof that he did dig through the yes 
um, Sabrina's purse. Which is one of the first things we find out in this section that we read. So we read uh, chapters, not, this is 9 through 14 um, in this section. For anyone following along. Yeah, which someone did ask on Twitter. Someone tweeted to us and was like, what chapters are you reading? I'm following along. And my heart oh. just, my heart purred. I was so happy. Oh, did your so mustache happy. twitch. My, oh, yeah, my Quillerin mustache bristled <laughs> and I breathed lustily through it. <laughs> Gross. <laughs> um yeah so uh this one kind of picks up yeah where does it pick up so we left off with i think this one actually per the like one page that i I read i think it picks up where he leaves for dinner and um goes to the 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 club the golf club with um chrysalis that's right and he has a very scandalous time even though he doesn't know that it's scandalous well he knows he kind, he kind of knows that it's scandalous yeah i didn't know true. so i read through this and i was like oh my god Quillerin, you're embarrassing yourself stop that but then i got to the end and later parts revealed that he like actually wasn't being that ridiculous he yeah. was like he he like knew what was happening i was the one who was like a, a derp and was like <laughs> oh, yeah just bad service like whatever it did seem very like, it just all was, like, very seemingly, like, discombobulated things as opposed to targeted. But, yeah, in this case, Quillerin was a step ahead of you. <laughs> yeah, he absolutely was. But I think that's, like, maybe just I don't frequent fancy clubs like that. So, I, like, there was a... Okay, so I feel like we're not explaining this I know, well. we're not. So... Sorry. <laughs> to back up and actually Basically, explain what happened. To, to back up. <laughs> so, Quillerin takes Chrysalis out to dinner at his fancy golf club where he was sponsored by what's his name the reporter Colin Carmichael Carmichael the reporter I looked up his name because I felt bad last time because I had fucked that up so bad (laughs) (laughs) that's fine so yeah so Quillerin so Carmichael sponsored Quillerin so now he's a member of this golf club for the like three months that he is in Potato Mountain (laughs) um so he hated his dinner beforehand the first time he oh, went. Yeah. And so he decided to join the club and take Chrysalis there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. And give it another shot. Keeping in mind that Chrysalis is a tater? Yes, a tater yes, from it's the other tater. side of the mountain. Right. Taters and spuds. Okay, so she's a tater from the small potato mountain which is the kind of like more native community, the long, more like long-term residents, long-term generational residents. Yeah. Of, of the of the two mountains. Yeah. And this golf club is very much a spud club. <laughs> so the the new wealthy incoming population that wants to like, you know, destroy the mountains for resorts. Yeah. So we had a couple of things happen at this dinner, right? We had some, like, yeah. good conversation and some, like, interesting story time. Um, and then we got a little a, a little viewpoint from, I, so this is the part that, like, I did not pick up on. There were um, some very, I guess, like, pre- prejud- prejudicial, is that a word? <laughs> I think so. Yeah. Sounds very so, lawyery. <laughs> yes. So there is uh some unfortunate treatment of Quillerin and Chrysalis by the club and the wait staff. Yeah. Um 
which is the part that I didn't pick up on because I don't understand how fancy clubs work. And so I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, they brought the soup out. No problem. And Coolerin was like, absolutely not. This is not where the soup comes out. But it Um, was kind of like they had because he made a point, too, that like it wasn't just that things were coming at the wrong time. It was that he had specifically asked. I think from the beginning, they were kind of trying to hurry them out. You know, they were trying to Mm -hmm. do things really quickly so that they would leave faster. But that Quillerin, I think, had kind of picked up on that and then had specifically, when they ordered food, had specifically been like, okay, like, here's our order, but also wait a minute. Like, we don't need the food right right now. We're still talking and, you know, like, we'll have the soup first. So he had kind of laid out, like, here are the courses and, like, here's how I want it to be done, which, I mean, I assume you can do at a fancy restaurant or is what he was already assuming they did. Mm -hmm. And so because of the way that he saw them kind of hurrying, I think he kind of was like, no, here's how I want you to do it. And then they really specifically didn't. Like, as soon as he was like, okay, like, wait for the soup just for you know just for a little bit so that we can you know talk a little bit more the soup came out immediately and he was like okay what are you doing and then everything after that kind of just picked up and of course Quillerin got hopping mad Quillerin did get very mad he got like like entitled mad which like I understand because they were being assholes but I also at the same time was like I would never get that mad at a restaurant well, yeah, and even Chrysalis on the other side of it, she, I mean, she was like, I don't mean, I don't go to restaurants like this, so I don't know the difference. And he, she kind of didn't care, but he was like, kind of right, like rightly so, was like, well, no, like I know how things work and I know this is not, they're treating us poorly because mm-hmm. of prejudice. And so like that, right. you know, it was like just a toss up of like, you know, knowledge base or, you know, whatever it is. But yeah, it was really interesting because then he well the end the end of the meal was so we hear within the meal we do hear a little bit more um a little bit more of the uh the story of Forrest and and um what happened with his trial and then what actually happened is she the one that tells Quillerin what actually no that's someone else I think that was the girlfriend slash fiance oh yeah that's right that was Amy that's a little bit later right yeah you know this book more than any other First of all, I'd like to say, as a small divergent, this book more than any other has like a real feel of like a whodunit to me, because I don't know, like all like I feel like a lot of the other cat who books that we've read, and maybe it's because all the characters are new, but I feel more like intrigued and not knowing who actually did it, and also, oh god, I just forgot the also part I was gonna say. (laughs) (laughs) Whoops. Yeah, I think that's because. Well, actually, you know what? I don't know what I was going to say. I think that's because we have, like, like a case where people are, like, actively, I guess, ang- angry about it and actively, like, like pretty adamant that this should still be open and they got the wrong person. Because I feel like in the other ones, oh, yeah. Quillerin kind of, like, creates a mystery out of nothing where, yeah. like, cases are kind of closed and people are like, oh, yeah, like, someone, like, fell off a roof and he's like, no, but someone pushed them and they're like, I don't know, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. But I guess we, there probably were other, I'm, like, trying to <laughs> trying to remember, like, all of the other mysteries. But, I, yeah, I feel like a lot of them we've read through and it's either been, like, there's no mystery here. Why is he, like, why are we reading this book? Or it's, like, you know what the mystery is, but there's no one really with him in it. Uh, oh, I remember the also, I was going to say. Okay. Also, this this one more than other ones feels very, like, 
gossipy. Like, he's not getting any, like, actual oh, clues yeah. that he's finding. He's just hearing, like, hearsay and gossip from, like, everyone in the community. Which, I mean, obviously I love. Like, it's really yeah. great because he, he's just hearing little bits and snippets of the story from, like, obviously very different biased people because he's hearing stories from, like, the, you know, people who are best friends with, like, the the lawyer that, uh, the public defender that people say did a terrible job with the trial and then he's talking to people on the other side who are you know also in definite ways biased and I mean not necessarily that it's not true but uh, because they're related to Forrest and you know so he's like hearing stories on all different sides and this one I think he's more than like finding clues like he does in other books this one he has to like suss out who's telling the truth and who's not although it always is seems pretty clear that the taters are telling the truth and the people who live on the mountain in the you know the more upscale areas are the ones who are like kind of protecting their own yeah sorry not or just or just like no one really knows what's going on yeah i don't know if it's really like yeah i guess it is kind of them protecting their own because the the public defender like did not do his job but i also think that it's like like the people living on the mountain like don't really know and don't really care because like they in their minds they already found the the tater who did it whereas the taters are like no, this is affecting all of our lives and like, right. we're like very invested in this. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Whereas the other people on the mountain are like, no, we just want our like nice resort on top of a mountain. Like close it up. We don't care. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, sorry. I derailed us. Well, I wasn't really derail. I enjoyed that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but back to the dinner. I can't remember if Chrysalis says any like more important information in that conversation um so we do hear about the circle of light in that conversation (gasps) oh my god that's right oh the circle of light i was really happy to find that out yeah um so i don't remember if we hear like all about her her mom in in this conversation i think we do yeah because i think it i think it ties into the circle of light yes i agree yeah so her mother, I think, I guess it started with her. Um, her mom kind of has this belief that if she, like, speaks something, she can, like, speak it into existence, I guess. Yeah. is like, like kind of manifesting. The, yeah, is kind of like the over, overarching theme, I guess, or overarching, like, synopsis of her belief system. So I don't know if she, like, started the circle of light before before all of this happened but basically what the circle is at this point is like a bunch of people in the tater community go out every once in a while like once a week or month or when however frequently they do it with lights and like candles and all of that and they just like walk in a circle trying to like speak into existence for forest's innocence or i guess like him being released yeah um so it's not like really witchcraft but I guess like depending on what your definition of witchcraft is like it's a little it's like very spiritual like kind of mysticism-esque beliefs but like obviously not like they're not out in the woods like boiling potions or like hexing anyone they're just kind of like peaceful it's like sort of in my mind like a continuation of like peaceful protesting just like in the woods at night with fire and they do equate it to um chrysalis even says that their belief does even translate into their protests because they walk in this in a similar pattern at the protests Mm -hmm. that they do in the in the forest 
uh, or in the woods, I shouldn't say forest because that's someone's name that might confuse, yeah. um, but in the woods. But yeah, that was really interesting, I thought, and was like, I mean, I, I was like fully ready to be disappointed that there weren't like, you know, full on witches, but I did actually really like this. I thought it was really interesting and kind of thoughtful and conscientious and like, I don't know, I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, yeah it was nice. Um, so then at the end of the dinner, so I think that's, is that it for the dinner? I don't think there's any, I, we hear other information about the story from the tater side of you a little bit later, but I, I think that might kind of be it Yeah. for this dinner. Um, but then the, the, the other notable thing that happens during dinner is that as they're leaving Quiller and Quiller and goes up to, um, uh, I think maybe, you know, one of the, the host or the waitress or someone and says, you know, <laughs> says something along the lines of uh you can give my compliments to the because i think there's like a, a governing body of the club that's known as the members and so he or the the council or the members or something like that that basically he says something like you can give my compliments to the members or to the you know whatever that that entity is called and he rips up his uh club card in this person's face <laughs> <laughs> yeah he does know how to make a scene when he wants to make a scene <laughs> he really does oh my goodness so then he um they drive up chrysalis as they're leaving is like uh do you want to drive up the back way back to your house because they both not a romantic rendezvous uh they had parked it at tip top and so they were just going back to get chrysalis's car and so she's like i want i want you to see something and so they go up this back way and Chrysalis, you know, kind of navigates also kind of hearkening back to her, like, you know, saving him from uh, his poor directional choices earlier in the book. Um, and she kind of drives them past this area where they're doing a thing that she's calling slashing, which is it's ba- it's like basically deforestation. Like they're ju- the, the, the construction companies or whoever it is, is like just like really irresponsibly like cutting down trees and not you know caring for the ecosystem or not doing it in a conscientious way and um so she kind of shows him that it's like an area that he hadn't seen yet and um he is like oh god no (laughs) (laughs) terrible terrible so then yeah oh my god i knew this was gonna happen as soon as i said like oh i read it i'm fresh like knowing (laughs) it i'm like now what happens next i don't know what happens next i actually have no idea okay i'm gonna look up in the book actually you know what okay i think i can actually i can get us there i think i know so he um so the next morning he so chrysalis leaves that was like that night there are a couple littler things oh oh we do have one exciting thing happen (laughs) what's that (laughs) This is gonna be such a letdown. Oh god! <laughs> I was like, wait, I think I know, but I think maybe what? Yeah, okay. I don't know. What do you? What? 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 what, what? Okay, so, so I'm gonna read some lines from the book. Oh, thank God! I'm so glad. Okay, so as so they get back to uh, Tip Top, okay. the top of the mountain where Quillarin is, and so um, Chrysalis is leaving, and so as she's leaving. Quillarin's just like, I'm really sorry about your brother's predicament. I hope something can be done. And so she climbed into the driver's seat and said, it would be easier to move a mountain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That wasn't a letdown, but I know what you're, I knew what you were, I know where you're coming from now. (laughs) Yeah. It wasn't actually something exciting (laughs) happening. I just really like it when they have the title of the book in the Book. definitely yeah. agree i love it exciting for me definitely not keeping a thread not there. so exciting for the plot line <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Yes. Anyway. So, so next, I don't know. So I'm I'm in the book. I'm in it right now. So I don't know what you were going to bring up next, but he calls Polly. Oh, that's right. I actually wasn't going to bring that up. I totally forgot that part. Actually, we get big news from yeah pickaxe yeah yeah um, dr goodwinter has died dun, dun, dun. it's not a mystery he um took his own life unfortunately yeah it's so this was this after his wife died yeah so they do say i think he talks to arch a little bit later in this chapter and arch kind of elaborates a little bit more on what happened so we do at the very beginning, um, before Quillerin has even left Pickaxe, get the information that um, his wife, uh, I forget if that was Gritty. Was that Gritty Goodwinter? Ooh. I forget the Goodwinter like family tree. I forget the family tree also. I don't think it says. Yeah. I don't know. Right. It just, yeah, it just mentions his wife's death, but it doesn't say anything about her name. So yeah. I'm not going to remember it. But, but yeah, it was yeah. said that she so she was very old and very ill for a very long time. And so I think people were like, obviously very sad, but also kind of like, well, she was really suffering towards the end. So we're glad that she's, you know, in peace now. And um, so it was right after that, then that Dr. Goodwinter died as well. And so Arch actually elaborates a little bit later in the chapter that there there are a few rumors going around that Dr. Goodwinter might have helped end his wife's life. That was Polly too. Was it's it right really? here. Oh my god, yeah. seriously. Oh, I thought yeah. that was Arch later. Interesting. No, it's it's in this conversation. It's like all bam 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 right in a row you learn that he's taken his own life and then she insinuates that everyone's kind of circulating the rumor that his wife's death was maybe possibly a mercy killing. Yeah, which is so interesting and, like, you know, just obviously... Very controversial. Yeah, super controversial. Everyone's obviously in pickaxe, very sad. And I also kind of, side note, was also thinking, like, oh, my God, Quillerin is, like, missing out on a mystery in pickaxe now. Like, I thought that, like... Yeah. Although this one, I don't know if it would have actually turned into a mystery. I think it's just kind of a tragedy. That's true. That is true. There's, There's kind of no mystery to it. I mean, there is, but, like, not one that... There's, like, you know, the rumor mystery, but even if you could prove what was true and what was not, like, what's, that's not, it's not going to change anything. No, that's very true. Yeah. Um, Although I guess it could change how people remember them or Mm -hmm. might help people in their grieving, but you're right. It wouldn't wouldn't necessarily, um, in the same way that, you know, a lot of other mysteries have either put someone in jail or you're right, like, yeah, solved something that had consequences for people in still and still with us but yeah that one was very sad and so I think um that was kind of another little so it was really funny because right after that Polly's like so how are you and he basically it sounds and I understand that there's a lot more going on because it really is like you know different prejudicial like the ways that people are treating people and it obviously was very the the dinner that Quillerin then launches into telling Polly about but the way that he phrases it really does sound like Polly has just un- unleashed this like really heavy topic and that Quillerin has been like dinner was bad you know like <laughs> he just like the service was terrible yeah. tonight I think he did say you didn't he, I, you're probably reading it from the book yeah. yeah no he says service was abominable right <laughs> the soup was cold the food was too salty and you're just like okay Quillerin like wrap it up but then 
yeah he I mean he does elaborate that says you know he says something about like I made the mistake of taking a mountaineer called the taters to dinner mount yeah he calls her a mountaineer I'm not sure if that's like a derogatory term or not I don't think it is I think I think mountaineer is like, yeah kind of an admirable term that's like yeah a, that cool. you're sense, a hero sound kind of cool yeah I want to be called a mountaineer <laughs> yeah so I don't yeah any any oh oh Oh, you okay? Yeah. Junie, are you okay? <laughs> oh, no. What's happening to Junie? <laughs> he, like, gave a start. Oh. Yeah, are you... Did you jerk away a little bud? He probably definitely saw a ghost. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I just touched him and he, like, jumped out of his skin. Oh, no, buddy. Oh, what's the matter, bud? You okay? Can I, can I pet you? Why are you being so jumpy? Oh my goodness, what's wrong, bud? Buddy. Did you have a a nightmare? Oh, maybe he had a nightmare. Maybe he was dreaming about all the vomiting that he did before. Well, he seems okay now. Oh, okay, good. Maybe he had, like, a weird... Maybe he did just have a weird dream. Oh. Do cats dream? I don't know. Yeah, I I actually, that's really interesting. We should look that up. Or if you know, let us know. Yeah. He, yeah, he did. He just like kind of jerked out of his sleep and then like was being really like weird and jumpy. Oh, little guy. He, he seems okay now, though. He settled back down. Oh, that's good. Letting me pet, letting me pet him. Are you all right, bud? Oh, poor guy. Yeah, I was a little worried that it was like painful that I was touching him, but it doesn't seem like it's painful to him now. I think he was just startled by something oh definitely a ghost yeah oh 100 percent a ghost oh oh no okay yeah we'll keep us posted okay great he's doing okay oh good. yeah okay yeah yeah okay yeah no he's fine everyone all right everyone, everyone's okay everyone okay in everyone here okay. Ooh, wait i know i know the real test getting a t-r-e-i-t Ooh, that sounded like a little can of something. <laughs> yeah, he's fine. <laughs> Perfect. Can you hear that? I can actually hear him laughing. Is he like <laughs> laughing up some tuna juice? He's he's just like eating out the top of a can of cat food. <laughs> cat eating ASMR. Yeah. Oh my god, seriously. Oh Gross. my god, okay, I'm gonna... so squishy. <laughs> I'm going to put this on a plate. For <laughs> oh my god, that's hysterical. Anywho, where were we? Oh, where were we? Um, so I think one of the next big things that happened, so he, Quilleran has this talk with Polly. Um, he sort of lays out this plan that he is, you know, he doesn't really say a ton, but I think he's thinking about what he can do next because after hearing a little bit more about the oh so the other thing I think we missed is that she chrysalis at the dinner talks about how her mom hasn't spoken since Forrest's imprisonment because Mm -hmm. she thinks that it was her fault because she has always she feels been able to manifest things and the fact that she so basically she was trying to manifest that JJ Hockenfield would stop doing what he was doing to the to the forest to the Mm -hmm. and what she perceived as you know his murder was because of her in some small way because she had put out into the universe that she wanted him to stop 
Um, even though, as far as we know, she didn't have anything to do with his actual murder, she still feels guilty because that led to Forrest's imprisonment, which obviously is very roundabout. And again, you know, as far as we know, definitely not her fault at all. Right. Um, but we do get that little bit of information and that she also has not spoken since then. And so this kind of makes Quillerin a little bit more like interested in helping Forrest and I mean, finding out more information, at least about, you know, at least getting his, he does mention that he thinks that Forrest should have a new trial based on how things have mm-hmm. gone. And, yeah. you know, Chrysalis is kind of like, well, yeah, but, you know, we don't have the money for that. And like, you know, all this. So basically he. Yeah, good thing it. Quillerin's a bajillionaire. I know. And is like, and he's very invested in this. Yeah, and he's into yeah. generosity. Yeah, very invested in this story so, and this mystery. He does start thinking about calling the lawyer back in pickaxe, but he doesn't do that until a little bit later. Yeah, because first he actually goes back to Potato Cove, our favorite artist colony. Oh yes, yeah. Oh, this was very eventful. I know this was very, very reminiscent of the snowstorm. Of oh yeah, the cat who knew Shakespeare. But, um, so yeah, so Quillan goes to Potato Cove because there's a wooden bowl that he can't stop thinking about. <laughs> Which is just wonderful. Oh, it's just so good. It's just the greatest. He, so yeah. he goes to the to Potato Cove and, of course, the woodworker is kind of like, I knew you'd be back for that. And Quillan's like, you knew I was buying up everything that's really good looking around here. So of course I would. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think I think the the rumor mill in Potato Cove has been circulating that someone's around buying like their most expensive products. Yeah, like all finally their like dream buyer has come through. Like someone who appreciates their art and has enough money to like buy all of their like fanciest wares. Yeah, um, which like I get as a tourist and as a not rich person, I do go around looking for bargains, and I'm sure right. they absolutely hate that. Oh, I'm sure, yeah, <laughs> because all the tourists are going around looking for like I don't know, like coasters and like ridiculous things that they can easily transport. And Quiller ends up there like, yes, give me this like two hundred dollar like metalwork candelabra. I'll take it. Yeah. <laughs> It's just like absolutely ridiculous, but you know, if you have the money and that's what you want, then there's nothing stopping you. No way, man. You gotta do it up. You can do whatever you want. Oh yeah. yeah. So yeah, so he goes back for the bowl, um, and he mm-hmm. talks to he gets the bowl. He Oh, we do get so before the eventful parts, we do get some more information because he goes to a little, a little sticky bun place yeah he goes to the bakery to get some coffee and i think he also because I, I think amy the girlfriend for who we find out is Forrest's girlfriend runs the the lunch she runs shop. the other shop yeah so he kind of right? stays around because yeah so there's like a restaurant ish type i think it's like a cafe but it's like super like organic health food and she doesn't sell coffee yeah oh right yeah so she pointed him to the bakery up the the last time he was there she pointed him to the bakery to get a cup of coffee and that's where she gets her baked goods i think so there is like they do like work together it's not like a competition yeah and i think he does it flipped this time because he goes and has lunch and he talks with amy um and this is where we actually find out that amy dated or was engaged to Forrest before he went to uh, jail 
and mm-hmm. that the baby that I don't know if we initially mentioned that, but that Amy has a baby that she brings to work with her and kind of keeps near the counter with her while she while the cafe is open. That baby is actually Forrest's baby and that they, you know, were this family before um, he went to jail. And, you know, she's obviously very distraught about all of it. But also in the same way, their whole community is kind of like, you know, we feel like we've tried everything and everything is just so stacked against us that, you know, mm-hmm. there's just nothing we can do. And then was there any other information that we got from that that was important? Yeah. So she actually gives some really I think good information because she has like the, the firsthand account of what happened that night. Oh, that's right. So we learned beforehand that the daughter of JJ Hawkinfield, whose name I will never remember. Uh, I think it's Sherry. Sherry? Question mark. Yeah. We don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Could, could be anything. Um, Yeah. So the daughter of JJ Hawkinfield was the one who pinned Forrest for the murder because she was like down at a grocery store. They're like down shopping off the mountain and saw his car go up, come back down. And then she went home and her father was murdered. And so she was like, it's Forrest. I saw his car. Like he absolutely did it. So we learned from Amy that, Forrest did actually go up there because the daughter commissioned a painting from him yeah that big mountain painting she um she commissioned and wanted him to deliver at a very specific time um so he went up to deliver the painting she was there in the house so this is Amy telling the story that she heard from Forrest because obviously Amy was not there yeah but um so when he went up, he delivered the painting. The daughter was there. J.J. Hockenfield was there. And they did have, like, a little bit of a confrontation because, you know, he was delivering the painting to the daughter. And J.J. Hockenfield was, you know, just in- enraged that he would come to the house, even though he was commissioned for a painting. And so yeah. they had, like, a little a little thing, a little fight. But it sounds like Forrest just kind of stormed off, left the painting, and um, and went home. So from that, I guess we we get a little suspicious of the daughter because yeah. it sounds very like she's you know she, like a like a frame job. Sounds oh, very much like she, <laughs> yeah, like she did that on purpose. Um, so we yeah, so we don't know exactly what happened, obviously because he wasn't there when the murder happened. So we don't know if the daughter did it. We don't know if she like hired someone to do it. But we do from that story, if it's true, which we as readers are inclined to believe, we kind of we kind of get the picture that the the daughter is definitely a part of yeah. of this. The daughter's definitely becoming shadier and shadier the more you get to know about her. And we mm-hmm. also get the information that I think the wife was actually there at the house, or was that Sherry that or the daughter that I was confusing it with because I kind of got the impression that that's a good question I don't know yeah so like the way they just the way Amy described it uh she was saying that JJ wasn't at the house and that Forrest so Sherry had told Forrest to go bring the painting to the house and that Sherry wasn't actually there when he dropped the painting off because she had left to go to the five points market which is the one that uh, I thought she was there no, I don't think she was because her whole testimony was based on, oh, but I guess it could have been a lie, right? Duh. Right. Yeah. yeah I thought, I thought Forrest's story, I mean, I oh, could be wrong, but I well, thought Forrest's story was saying that it like 
basically like she wasn't even at the market or she went later maybe at a different time that makes sense because then that would okay no that's probably right because i was thinking because a part there's a moment in in amy's story where there is a woman at the house and she so i think it's the daughter daughter. okay then that makes more sense so that part in the story is that um when jj sees that forrest is there he gets so mad he starts yelling at forrest forrest yells back a little bit but not much tries to leave and jj is just like kind of out of control and the whichever woman is there basically like says something to to jj of like calm down or like you know is there to kind of intervene in, in some way shape or form so yeah that would make a lot more sense if it was the daughter because she was already kind of wrapped up in that story and i think you're right i think at that point the mother was already at the mental facility Mm -hmm. so yeah that was that's right we get this like whole really detailed other side of like the story that that um that forest at least knows and remembers to be the case so you get like like earlier we've gotten the the story of how it quote-unquote happened and then now we get the other side of it and um we'll we'll see where the actual truth is hopefully down the line yeah not in this part no not in this part i mean (laughs) maybe the next one (laughs) definitely inclined to believe more amy's story as opposed to anyone else's no for sure um so yeah so that happens so quillerin hears all of this from amy while he's eating lunch so then after that, he goes up to the bakery and he mm-hmm. gets some coffee and gets some a bunch of um, like pastries and stuff, because as we'll recall, he does not cook. <laughs> and right. like in the morning, only like de-thought, like defrosts, like frozen donuts for himself for breakfast. Mm-hmm. But now he's mm-hmm. got some fresh, uh, fresh items, but not quite yet because he decides that he's going to go is he kind of like while he's talking with the um the owner of the bakery they kind of bring up the this waterfall that's kind of close it's like a sort of decent ish hike like it seems kind of short but not quite too too long of a hike that's right behind the bakery you know of course they say like we wouldn't tell it to any tourist but you don't seem like a tourist and Quillerin's like I'm not a damn tourist I <laughs> proved myself to I live here yeah for three months yeah 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 um and so quillerin uh basically pays for the pastries up front and then goes on this hike and is like i'll be back to pick them up before you close and so he goes on this hike and it's like really beautiful he gets to the waterfall he's having this great time he's taking pictures and then he has this like almost profound moment where he's like thinking about his future and thinking about pickaxe and he's like it's kind of funny, actually, because I feel like I've definitely been in this position before where it's like something so beautiful and like there's something that I've like really wanted to decide on or like something wanted something to happen to be like, yeah, OK, I understand this part of my life now or like I want more information about this. And he's kind of like there in this beautiful spot being like, is I think it literally says like, is this the time when I'll really come to the conclusion of like, you know, what he's been like struggling with in terms of like, should he stay in pickaxe? Should he leave pickaxe? Should he go somewhere else? Um, and then he just starts taking pictures instead and like doesn't have the moment that he thought he was going to have, which I feel like I've definitely been in that position before. Um, but then he actually has a very dramatic moment unrelated to any epiphany, either one way or another. Mm-hmm. But he does actually, uh, he is taking pictures of 
I think out over the waterfall is how it's kind of yeah he was like taking pictures all the way up and I can't remember what he stopped for because he does not have a iPhone people this is like a regular camera yes right (laughs) so he yeah he had like one picture left on it and he was like oh I better save it for and I can't remember what he wanted to save it for probably the top yeah so he's like in he's like lining up his perfect shot and takes a step back and all all the drama happens oh my god yeah he just like slides all the way down like falls slides like he's just like grappling at rocks like he just falls real far and is like scrabbling not to fall like over the actual waterfall I think is how it's kind of set up yeah it kind of sounds like he he like stepped back like slipped on a rock and then kind of like tumbled his way down into like a hole of some sort but it's like along the side of the waterfall so he's like clinging on for dear life with like the waterfall like pounding in his face or like spraying him from the side yeah so he like spends I don't even know how long but like forever kind of like inching his way back up yeah because he keeps talking about like patience and how he's seen other you know well not other because he is not a rock climber but actual rock climbers you know use different techniques and mostly involving patients to you know get themselves back up and around to you know where they want to be and um he, so he like very carefully and very patiently kind of like climbs himself out of what he keeps calling an abyss but he's like super bloodied like all of his like hands and legs are scraped up and like super just like cut from all the like tumbling and falling and then when he reaches safe ground his ankle is not walkable (laughs) (laughs) yeah it kind of sounds like he he like hardcore sprained it it doesn't it doesn't seem broken because like he didn't get any x-rays later on in this chapter he just kind of like hobbles around for a while but it definitely seems like very swollen very unwalkable for sure I kind of loved the rest of this chapter after this not to like fast forward too much because the rest of this chapter is literally Quillerin hobbling around his house or well around tip top around his rented house and like demanding that people come to him which is just the funniest thing possible yeah yeah for sure the rest well the rest of this like portion of the book the rest of this chapter was him getting like doted upon by the taters oh right yeah yeah that's right yeah yeah that was really nice so actually um chrysalis's mom who no longer speaks Um, is apparently their kind of community healer or doctor Um, and so she or witch or witch as the case may be (laughs) I'll take them all all of the above and so she has already like received word about this and so she's run home to get some uh, you know different like ointments and things that she brings and um, you know kind of this is after he gets saved he like hobbles his we like skips past the part where he gets saved so he like butt slides in my mind he's like butt sliding all the way down the mountain (laughs) oh my god but he doesn't say anything about his butt being scratched up it's his hands being scratched up yeah so well no i mean like to get back down the mountain because he can't walk on his ankle so to like to get back down the mountain towards the bakery he like basically like crawls slash like slides his way down like screaming the entire way to try to get someone's attention so he does eventually get the owners of the bakery they hear him eventually and so they come and get him and bring him back and so that's when they send word down to the the rest of the community and they're like quick everybody rally and so 
yeah Crystal's mom comes with some ointment for his ankles and like the the leather worker brings some like sandals for him because he lost his shoes and like someone brings clothes and like all sorts of all sorts of stuff so he gets like basically he like bought the the high ticket item of everyone and now everyone's like giving him a free yeah that's right (laughs) basically a a free something or other to take back with him so that he's you know Um, patched up you Um, forgot the best item that he got which was an old man cane an old man cane (laughs) that he hobbles around on for the rest of the book yep yep yep, (laughs) like a cranky old man oh it just completes his like cranky old man persona it's just so great yeah it's true but it is absolutely fantastic the way that he like owns his injury i mean he he like lies a little bit about his injury because he's like no i definitely did not take a tumble stepping backwards while photographing the waterfall yeah his pride Um, was definitely hurt most of all (laughs) yeah his pride was his his pride took a bruise (laughs) yes but yeah but he definitely owned the like i'm injured come to me because he absolutely makes people like he gets a second phone installed in his house because he can't walk downstairs <laughs> yeah yeah which like, hilariously the guy installs in the wrong room and i love it so much because he installs it in the cat's room instead of quillerin's room and... because who in the world would know that one is a person room and one is the cat room <laughs> who would know and then my other favorite part actually maybe my favorite part of this entire whole section of the book we read was when later he like he like goes to make a phone call and he like as he's like hobbling up the steps to the or like around to the um phone he looks at coco and he goes can i use your phone i'm gonna use your room or like just like so dryly is like can i use your phone it was just the greatest thing of all time (laughs) yes but then we also get so this from the beginning is what i was thinking about initially um, just that like connection between cat and person is that <laughs> as soon as Quill, so the the taters do drop him off back at tip top and so Quillerin uh spends lots of time yeah like hobbling around and he has different well we'll get to the different visitors but um basically the cats like are initially super scared of him because they're like what the fuck you look and like you know as cats do anything out kind of out of the norm is like okay i need time to adjust to this he's right. crazy um but then they come out and they really do they like do that cat thing where they like follow him around and they sit with him and they're just like coco in particular kind of is just like constantly like like looking at him are you okay yeah just kind of trying to keep an eye on him like all right i'm here We we also did miss an important part of this section in terms of yum yum and her health yes i was just thinking about that yeah so we do Oh man, Chuni is like absolutely fine. Oh good. In case anyone was wondering, <laughs> in case anyone was stressed out about him during this podcast, oh, yeah, man, that guy rebounds just back and forth, huh? He re- he really does. Yeah, I don't know what that was, but he is like he he woke up with a start and is full of crazy energy. I don't know if you can hear him thumping around, but he is. I can <laughs> thumping around. Okay, great. Oh, buddy, I'm glad he's okay. That's good. This is his favorite activity is to chase the laser from one point of the apartment to the other. Aww. And he runs at full speed Aww. and then slides and slams into the wall <laughs> <laughs> and then turns around and does it again. Aww. It's great. 
Um, so anyway, yum yum. So poor yum yum. Yeah, talking about poor cat health. Poor yum yum has been. So Quillerin does find something that was stolen from Sabrina Peel. If you remember. Oh yeah, that was like way earlier in this. It section. was. Yeah, we kind of <laughs> we totally missed, missed it. that a little bit. Yeah, but yeah. Um, it doesn't really a hundred percent factor in. So I think it's okay to tell anytime. But um, yeah. so he er- early early in the section that we read, um, he Sabrina calls and is like, "Oh, I like lost a letter. Like I'm gonna mail this letter as soon as I find it, or like something something." Mm-hmm. And then. Um, Quilleran's like, aha, well, that's probably around the house somewhere. Because if you remember at the end of last episode, the cats had been inside Sabrina's purse and we debated whether or not Quilleran should have told her. (laughs) They are little thieves. They are little thieves. (laughs) And it's so funny because I I don't know if we missed the cat who sniffed glue or the cat who like ate glue or the cat who's something glue but yeah. apparently coco has a glue fetish yeah i <laughs> that like really comes out in this book it really does yeah because i assumed i mean we've only ever known yum yum to be the thief but we find so basically Quillerin yum yum or uh, coco has been kind of leading Quillerin around the house and finally leads him to yum yum hunched under a under a, a chair i think or under yeah under like a couch or something yeah <laughs> And so he does find the letter that was stolen from Sabrina, but mm-hmm. his whole, you know, sort of theory behind it was that um, Coco had stolen it because of the adhesive on the back, the like sticky part of mm-hmm. an envelope. And that um, it apparently had little like cat fang marks in it, which I I mean, everything that is paper in my house has that like right in the end too. For sure. Um, but the important thing about the letter is that it was to Sherry Hockenfield. Right, right. Which is also a little bit suspicious because do we, yeah. it's like. I mean, it's like a little suspicious, but they do work together. Yeah. That's, it sounds like because Sherry owns, she lives on the East Coast and owns like a secondhand store. And so she's been having Sabrina appraise some of the things in the Hockenfield house that she had removed so it could just be like, well, we don't know what it is, so I'm not going to speculate, but it could just be a part of like their work together that they've been doing. Well, Quillerin does speculate because he says that he thinks, or he's like, oh, it was probably just a bill because Sabrina obviously you know, had been having trouble getting her parents to pay for things. And so he was like, oh, she probably just sent like a preliminary bill to Sabrina yeah. to like, get things paid for. But right. So, but yeah, then the, oh, the part about Yum Yum is so sad because apparently she's like, kind of not really acting like herself and like just kind of more um like not as responsive as usual not as like excited about the things that he you know knows that she likes and she also is pulling out little parts of fur so she's like kind of nibbling a little bit on her like back it sounds like the back like side of her like leg or not leg but like you know yeah 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 it sounds like she kind of like is maybe having like a reaction to something i don't know none of them so he calls his friend uh, lori bomba lori bomba yeah (laughs) so he calls his friend lori um and is like oh no what's going on and she's like i don't know could be fleas could be like some other things but it kind of sounds like there's an, an itchy patch yeah that that she has that is maybe bothering her but yeah he finds her in like a pile of her own fluff which is a sad picture it is very sad yeah but he does i will say he does like so i don't know if this would make her 
better at all but he's like oh maybe you're just like sad that I've been spending so much time out so he does like clear his schedule and like just cuddle with her for like a day which I find adorable I know it was so sweet yeah yeah not necessarily a fix but like it is kind of what I I also did when Chuni was not feeling well I was like well obviously I'm not leaving the house (laughs) I mean it's not like it wouldn't help because it's like even if that's not not the problem it's it's like that's certainly not hurting yeah exactly that's what I meant sorry yeah exactly (laughs) yeah even if it's not helping it's like it makes you feel better yeah even if it doesn't make your cat feel better but it also might just like it's better than them like you know suffering alone I'm sure they wouldn't like that's true so then fast forward again so that time doesn't really work um and then now back to where we kind of were when quiller after quiller and is also incapacitated um, yeah he notices that yum yum is also still not feeling very good and so he does is this the next thing that i like lost kind of is this the (laughs) the next thing that happens after he comes back and is I think so. There are like a hobbling around. Yeah, there are like a number of different people who come through. Like he has the mm-hmm. phone installed. He has groceries delivered by Bill from the Five Points grocery. Oh, store. Lucy comes back. Yeah, Lucy comes back. That actually might be the first thing that happens. Lucy, yeah, that is back. the first thing that happens. So yeah, Lucy comes back. He hears like a scuffling outside, and the cats get all like riled up inside, which is hysterical. And then yeah, as you pointed out last episode. <laughs> <laughs> still does not get to eat his hot dogs Quilleran still does not eat his hot dogs he gives his hot dog his newly bought hot dogs to lucy again again <laughs> yep and so he still has no hot dogs although he does have bill the grocer bring hot dogs uh, up to him and uh then yeah so there's like literally a whole list so the phone guy comes bill comes to delivery yeah. deliver actually right after this so right after lucy comes Quillerin calls Sherry. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He calls Sherry. Yeah. And then that's why he like ends up getting the phone installed because he calls her downstairs, hobbles upstairs, gets all settled, and then has to (laughs) hobble back downstairs when she calls back. Right. Yeah. So he um lays a trap. (laughs) He lays a trap. Yeah. I can't really remember like what oh it was about the painting. He calls her and is like, Oh, I have interest in your highly valuable painting. So for- Forrest's painting, the mountain one. Yeah, he, like, totally baits her and is like, what's for yeah. sale? Tell me a price and I'll buy it. Yeah, he's like, oh, money will get her attention. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just, like, dangles that dollar sign in front of her yeah. ear because it's over the phone. Yeah. Yeah, so he does, he baits her. And, yeah, he she does call back um, and offers to, like, come visit him yeah because well, not really i mean she was already planning to like take the trip out there or maybe, well maybe maybe she was just trying to sound cool i well i thought she was kind of just trying to say it because so basically he quillerin is like you know oh i you know want to buy this painting and like um and then she's the one that brings up like oh i heard that you're because apparently the like pushy real estate agent had told sherry that Quillerin was a prospect to buy Tip Top and turn it into a bed and mm-hmm. breakfast. And she was like, oh, I heard you're a prospect. And Quillerin was like, maybe, maybe not. I still have things to consider and questions to answer. And she's like, well, I'm coming out there anyway. Maybe we can have lunch in like a couple days, which mm-hmm. I kind of took as like she wasn't going to do that. But now she is. Because, but now she is yeah. because money. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's set up. That's a big cliffhanger because he, she's going to come into town and Quillerin's probably going to grill her. 
um, mm-hmm. about everything yeah. as you know a first person potentially witness to the to the crime mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah and then yeah and then he called he does call arch and so yeah that's in between yeah i don't think we actually learn anything from that i think it's just a a friendly conversation between yeah i think it just between was like, old such a funny yeah a little like buddy conversation it was really but you know what we do hear though we do hear we get another little snippet from arch that um even though i think we learned this from polly initially but that melinda goodwinter mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, definitely had a thing with apparently um is coming back to town to take over her dad's practice after his death and um that apparently she has definitely been asking about Quillerin and uh you know mm-hmm, so they're Quillerin mm-hmm, and Arthur mm-hmm. kind of talking like that like oh okay like oh. but yeah nothing else really important in the conversation with Arch although at the end of the night after well I guess I could talk about this later but he also kind of brings up like well no I don't think he, I don't know oh god I'll bring that up later I'll cut this out <laughs> wait what what did he bring up oh oh i don't think he brought it up but i think he um there was a part where after i think it was after this conversation he um Quillerin, like makes the most hilarious list of like things that he could potentially do with his life because he's oh that is at the end of this chapter is it okay then maybe yeah. we can talk about it at the end because i like yeah. that part was i just could not stop laughing yeah it is it's pretty ridiculous and there's but a actually... big important one in that that we need to talk about yeah okay great um okay so yeah he talks to arch and then someone comes to the door oh yes oh yes the return of vonda dudley wicks yes indeed yeah she just like showed up out of nowhere in the middle of the night and was like hello yeah it's like (laughs) like very inappropriate even i mean i don't like I'm not totally on board with like all of the social standards that happen throughout these books, but this one I'm like, no, that's a faux pas. And I know that's a faux pas. You can't just like show up at people's houses in the middle of the night. Well, it's not the middle of the night because I don't think Bill had even turned up yet to drop off his, like he had two appointments. Yeah, I think he, I think he did. Oh, did he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I think he, he did. Yeah. Bill, Bill was right before that. And then, and then the list that we will talk about later and then and then vonda All right. um okay yeah so i mean it, it probably wasn't the middle of the night but she like also if you're like i mean i'm definitely, definitely not if you're gonna if you're gonna be like a weird person who's like trying to get an interview from someone who doesn't want to be interviewed you can't just like show up at their house at night no, that is peaceful time that is peaceful alone time i mean i'm definitely not saying i ever want anyone to show up at my house on an <laughs> I never want surprise plans. No, no, never. <laughs> yeah. No, yes. But anyway, she, she, right. she shows up and it's like a little bit of a to-do. Yeah, it's really interesting because she is like apologizing for their previous talk because she only, Quiller and asked her a bunch, bunch of questions, I think as kind of a deflection. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just got so embarrassed because she wasn't like up to journalistic standards. And then it kind like kind of happens again that like they just kind of talk about a bunch of you know obviously Quiller and just has a bunch more questions to ask her about yeah JJ Hawkinfield. I mean, but- we do get some pretty interesting information this time. That's true. We do about her husband. Yeah, because this I think you're right. This is the time where we find out that her husband worked with JJ, and mm-hmm. that her husband died 
uh, well, we knew her husband died, but he apparently died like during the trial and he was yeah to uh, he had a massive heart attack like in the middle of the trial like i think he was at the trial yeah and he was set to testify too like as a mm. witness at yeah you know, i mean i would assume for for his side for jj hockenfield's side but like i mean also he could have had information that like the pro like a prosecutor could have gotten out of him or you know whatever it was mm-hmm. so yeah that definitely seems suspicious now when we like kind of get more of that information now too Mm -hmm. but we don't get a ton of information because vonda dudley wicks has decided to drink some coffee even though she clearly cannot (laughs) handle coffee even though she knows she has terrible adverse reactions to coffee yeah and she kind of loses her mind and like cannot breathe and has to like walk around outside in the fresh air and it just is sounds like a nightmare yeah i mean she definitely has a, a weird thing going on with caffeine and like yeah, she can't do it. No, she can't hang with the coffee drinkers. She truly can't. And apparently, Quillard did make them make it very strong. Like he likes it. So yeah, um, but yeah, I think I think that's kind of all that happens. She like brings it. Oh, she brings she brings him um, cookies. Oh yeah, that her her special JJ Hockenfield cookies that yeah. she's only bake for him. Yep. So yeah, she kind of like that's kind of that's kind of it. I mean, it's it wasn't like that intrusive, I guess. But yeah, she like comes, drops off the cookies. They talk a little bit about her husband and his death and the trial. And then, yeah, she has a a bad reaction and leaves. Yeah, she bolts. And then, yeah, is there anything last before we get to the list? Um, yeah. So the vet comes. Oh, yeah, the vet. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they definitely, Quilleran does put in a call to the vet because poor Yum Yum is still scratching yeah. at her fur. And so the other yeah. um, visitor that Quilleran gets is, so the there's that couple that are both vets and they run the vet practice in mm-hmm. Budsboro. And Quilleran kind of aggressively calls them and is like, I need to make a last minute appointment. I need you to make a house call and I need you to come now. And so the guy's like, oh, well, I mean, he doesn't say now, but he's like, yeah, come whenever. Yeah. So yeah, the the husband shows up because Quillerin calls yeah. and he's like, "Oh, I hope the wife shows up." And I can't remember why. It was because she just like sounded nice on the phone. I think. It oh was... no, it was because his like cats are finicky, and he's like, yeah. oh, like women are so much kinder and gentler." And the, this like husband, the like man vet, shows up and like totally shows Quillerin up and is like oh the God. greatest. And his cats love him. He totally does. It was so great like the cats run away because they know that like they just like intuitively know but then the vet's so nice he just like sits there and drinks and talks to Quillerin and then eventually yum yum like basically jumps into his lap <laughs> yeah. and is like examine yeah. me <laughs> yeah, right. and like doesn't even get like like scared off or like squirm squirmy yeah. when he like starts poking and prodding at her apparently he's just like got the greatest bedside manner that a vet could possibly have and does his little examination um and i don't remember what he he ends up like prescribing something yeah i think he gives him gives yum yum a shot and then Mm -hmm. uh gives quillerin like something extra to give her like in a few you know hours or days yeah so hopefully hopefully that works because poor yum yum poor yum yum yeah but we do we while they're waiting for yum yum to jump into his lap and submit to her shots and examination 
Um, we do get some interesting conversation about the mountain. Yeah. Um, and about JJ Hockenfield and about Lucy. Yeah, poor Lucy. <laughs> poor Lucy. Yeah, I'm like still a little bit perplexed and annoyed that no one is like concerned about this wild dog that I know this I mean this like house dog that is now like a wild like forest dog that's just like scrounging for hot dogs in the wilderness I know but somehow it's still like quote-unquote overfed yeah (laughs) yeah because it doesn't sound it sounds kind of I mean she's definitely JJ Hockenfield's dog but it kind of sounds like the vets took care of her for a while but that they don't anymore and they're not concerned about who is. Yeah. But so we still don't know what her deal is. Yeah. As of right now, she's just a wild forest dog that shows up and eats Quillard's hot dogs. I kind of feel like Lucy maybe I'm pushed JJ Hardenfield. <laughs> or off I mean, of his own balcony. <laughs> listen, that was my thought before. But now I'm thinking she's like maybe holds the clue like a clue somehow to to i feel like she could definitely hold a clue yeah or maybe after this book quiller and we'll have two cats and a dog oh my god i would actually kind of love that (laughs) i mean it's not gonna happen but no it's not his cats are too adverse to having a dog in their life they never they get like they get real real dramatic when lucy shows up yeah that's true so yeah so the vet right so the vet talks a little bit more about lucy but he also talks about the mountain and as much as Mm -hmm. he has a fancy house near quillerin's where near tip top um he's pretty like doesn't necessarily love jj and kind of is like he's worried because his house is like near a waterfall and he's like really concerned that there's been so much rain that his area slash his house and property is gonna flood because of the way that like JJ's mm-hmm. kind of irresponsibly like built a dam and like the water's overflowing and like apparently things are like the ecosystem is just so thrown off that their house isn't really safe and so he's kind of been like well that's great like that's not good and then he also says too he has kind of an interesting history because he talks about how his family uh, initially were taters and then some mm-hmm. of them kind of came into town and like went to different colleges and decided they wanted to not to say that the taters didn't go to college because a lot of them did um or do do but he also so now he lives on the other side of the mountain and he was like you know some of them still live over there and some of them live here and some of them live in town Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. which is funny to think too because it like seems right now like it's only people who live on either side of this mountain but there is a town down in the valley too okay. <laughs> all these people that are like everyone up on the mountain is so dramatic <laughs> mm-hmm. but yeah I think that might be it can we talk about the list yet um so there's actually like one or two more things no! <laughs> so, so one of the things that I so I think we missed something with uh, Bill dropping off. So the the market guy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I think we missed one thing with Bill, and then we have one more thing that the vet, one more piece of information that the vet brought. Oh okay. Um, so with when Bill came to drop before Verna. Oh yes, Verna uh, showed up. Verona. Um, so Bill came and dropped off some more groceries because Quillerin was like, I simply cannot make it out of the house because i'm injured (laughs) yeah so he has bill come up with like more hot dogs and like some other some other things Mm -hmm. and so what we we learn a little bit more about bill's backstory so i think in talking with chrysalis one 
one of the times that we talked with Chrysalis, um, she said that she was kind of going through her history with the protests and how like no one in the town was really being that supportive, just kind of like out of fear because JJ Hockenfield kind of like steamrolled anyone who showed any support for for the protests so like there was a like a pastor at one point that let them use the church as a meeting house and he's got like totally slammed in the newspaper yeah and then but then she was saying that they actually had someone from jj hockenfield's newspaper kind of like on the side printing flyers for them that's right and he got like unfortunately got fired because they found him out and so that turns out to be bill that's right i totally from the grocery store and he yeah. was like totally like blacklisted in the community for a while yeah um then like couldn't find another job and i can't remember what it was that got him he like did something oh he did he that got a... him the job at the grocery store yeah he pulled a great move where he also he got himself a job but he also totally fucked over jj after like again so he so basically it was something about ad revenue and like the hospital in town had been paying like oh yeah twenty thousand dollars or something crazy to the okay. newspaper for something that that bill basically taught the hospital how to do themselves mm-hmm. and then the hospital people were so thrilled there i think like there it was like a family-owned grocery store and they had connections through the hot the people at the no the people at the hospital had family that ran the grocery store and were like hey we need this person at the grocery store or this job in the grocery store and so set him up there because of that yeah but also, and then like, jj hockenfield yeah. lost like thousands of dollars because yeah. the hospital yeah that's right Oh, good. good for Bill. I know. Bill turns out yeah. to be quite the badass that, like, initially we just thought was, like, a kind of a throwaway character, but... Yeah, he also turned out to be, like, I think he's a little bit of a love interest for Chrysalis. Like, yes. I think they had, like, a little thing going on. I'm not sure it's going on now, but I think they had a little thing going on back in the yeah. their heyday, and we'll probably, I would assume, hope that it carries on once this whole mess is behind us and the mystery is solved. Yeah, it was really sad because it did sound like, right, that they were dating. And then after this happened, like, you know, rightly so, Chrysalis couldn't really think about anything else and was kind of just so consumed by it that she was kind of like, I think they kind of fizzled out because of that. But yeah, let's let's hope Forrest gets out and that Chrysalis and Bill get back together because they seem great. Yeah, I'm into it. And then, yeah, so what was the last? Uh, um, oh, so the last thing that we learned from the vet, um, so he was talking about from his, he had like a vantage point oh, up, up in the mountains. Right. I can't remember where he was, probably at his house because he's like on the top of the mountain also. But yeah. he had a vantage point um, the afternoon that Forrest came up and dropped the painting off and J.J. Hockenfield was murdered. The, the vet actually had a vantage point of the cars that were in the driveway. Right. Um, and he said neither of them were forests. That's so right. at the point, like at the time that J.J. Hockenfield was murdered, he looked down and saw that there were two cars there, but neither of them were forests. And so he took that information to the prosecute, not the prosecutor, the defense. Yes. Defender. That's right. The defense attorney. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. The defense attorney. And uh, like, it doesn't sound like it went anywhere. Yeah. Um, because the because defense the defense attorney was terrible. Yeah. Because the defense attorney said that because Bill had done the things that he had done to JJ and because he had printed the flyers initially, um, that there were just so many like 
outlying factors that anything that he said, Bill said, would or wait no oh because oh, it was the, the vet the, was this, I think it was the vet oh yeah I think it was because this was oh yeah in the chapter after Bill already left yeah you're right so wait yeah what am I thinking of because the defender had basically said that anything that that person was gonna anything that they were gonna say was gonna be discredited because of something else yeah. And now I can't remember I what that is. I can't remember what it was either. Hmm. All right. Um, hang on. Let me read. Let me let me skim through this and <laughs> see if I can figure it out. That's okay if not. I mean, we definitely don't have to. Yeah, I mean, no. Yeah, it says he told me I was a known accomplice of Forrest's and had been fired for just... Oh, yeah, maybe it... Maybe, maybe did Bill come back <laughs> at the end of the night? Yeah, I don't know. There were just so many people swirling in and out of the house and Quiller and hobbling so much. I know, right? Well, you know, it doesn't really matter either way, to be honest, because it was contentious that the public defender was so bad and was taking, like, basically using any excuse that he could to say, to to not have to, like, do as as much work and to get through with the trial as quickly as possible because he just didn't, didn't care about it, which is really not right. Yeah. But yeah. Oh yeah, no, it, it you're totally right. It was Bill. Oh, okay. So while they waited for Bill, Sabrina called to say that she left pillow floors floor pillows. Oh. <laughs> floor pillows for him. Yeah. Interesting. Maybe Bill came twice? No, I don't think he came twice. I don't think he came twice either. Who came first then? Oh man. Who came before this list? Oh, but we're at the point where you can <gasps> you can talk this. about your list. Oh my god. All right, guys. So this list that Quillaren makes, I'm obsessed with. So actually I should find the page of, of that real quick. Do you have it? Um, I do. Also, he calls Bill. Oh first, and then we get the vet visit and then Bill comes. So we we do we are sandwiched oh. by Bill. But he doesn't come twice. We just hear from him twice. That's why it's so confusing. That's why it's so confusing. But yeah. Anyway. Okay. So oh, I now it. now that we've confused everyone and like muddled through this. Section, yeah. Sorry, guys. <laughs> we could talk about your list. Oh my god. Okay. So guys. So Quillerin basically makes a list. He's like, you know, still trying to think what he wants to do with his life. He's still kind of trying to find a way to even start to think about how to solve this conundrum with like what he wants to do with the rest of his life Mm -hmm, so mm -hmm. he just starts to write down little thoughts little ideas so actually I might just read this whole section because it's so truly great that I just can't deal with it so first so we start here with move back to a large city and then so he does like the beginning part and then it's like kind of like you know, then he kind of ponders on it. So there's like a heading and then a subheading of his little thoughts. So first we get move back to a large city. Which one and why? I'm beginning to prefer small towns. Must be getting old, he says. Number two, buy a newspaper. Now that I can afford one, I no longer want one. Too bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which we are definitely already knew that. Mm-hmm. Um, travel sounds good but what would i do about you and yum yum so clearly he's writing this list to coco (laughs) (laughs) um he asked coco who blinked and scratched his ear uh teach journalism is number one two three four and then he says that's what everyone says i should do but i'd rather do it than teach it which is a little snobby Mm. next we get 
my personal favorite. (laughs) Guys, this one says, try to get into acting. I Because he did so well with Shakespeare. I know, right? He solved two Shakespeare-related items. Yeah. Um, But the little blurb we get about that is, I was pretty good when I was in college, and television has increased the opportunities since then. He is older than television. (laughs) (laughs) I truly cannot deal with what an insight this gives us into Quillerin. Maybe he can be a weatherman. (gasps) He would hate being a weatherman. (laughs) Are you kidding? (laughs) Oh, God. I mean, the list doesn't really get any better after that. It really peaks there. There's just one one more. Yeah, the last one is just build a hotel and pickaxe. God knows it needs a new one. We could build a six-story high-rise and call it Pickaxe Towers. Oh, so original. But I I feel like he, he really shouldn't do that after this book. No, I hope he doesn't, to be honest, because yeah. he'll get, like, we- some animosity in town, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, they don't want tourists in pickaxe. No, it, well, because that's actually one of the things they're debating. So Quillerin in this section also, when he talked to Arch, um, Arch was kind of razzing him again about, like, oh, are you ever going to write for us again? And Quillerin's like, fine, I'll write something for you. And so he actually writes about the controversy between the Spuds and the Taters in Spudsboro. And he basically at the end of it does actually quote the article at one point. And he says something like uh, how he knows that Pickaxe is like, and he mentions a couple other times to a couple other people too, that that Pickaxe has been deciding whether or not they want to really lean into like things that will increase tourism. Mm -hmm. And in the article, he has like a sassy comment that's like, you know, the council members should really think hard about what development means and how, like, the downsides of it before you go forward with, you know, plans to, to actually do it. Mm-hmm. So that was really interesting, too, that, like, kind of in a way he's, like, trying to get away from pickaxe, but again, he's, like, kind of pulled back into pickaxe politics. Back in, now that he has two love interests there. I know. Oof. And so many women that he lustily breathes after. And so many women that he bought hand-woven capes for. (laughs) So many of his cape ladies. Oh my god. Although, to be fair, he did also buy one for Lori Bamba, who is married and he has no interest in. So I do feel like that kind of, like, if she wasn't in that group, I would be like, Quiller and so scandalous. But I think with her being in that group, it does tone it down to, like, I just bought these for all of my lady friends. That's it's true. Yeah, that's definitely a good point. It's still just I'll never not make fun of it. <laughs> yeah, it's a little absurd. <laughs> Although I do kind of want a cape, but I also don't want to be one of Quillern's ladies. So no, but I mean, like a beautifully handwoven cape of vibrant colors would be, I feel like, a staple in any closet. Uh, yeah, I would fucking love that. Yeah. Chrysalis, make me one. <laughs> make me make us capes. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, I think that's it. I think we did it. Yeah. I can't remember the cliffhanger ending for this one. Oh. Um, oh, yeah. Was there one? Let's No, let's make one. <laughs> let's, let's make one up. Um, so Sherry is coming in the next section. Yes. I'm actually really excited about that. that I'm think, pretty excited about that, too. Yeah. I uh, think something's going to happen with Lucy, too. I feel like... Yeah, let's make some let's make some guesses as to what's gonna happen. Wait a minute. I what? feel like Lucy's gonna be it. I yeah, I do feel like Lucy's gonna be big on this one. Are we true. ever gonna meet Forrest? 
Yeah, that's true. Question he... mark. Oh, the other thing that we did kind of forget too is that um, Quillerin has decided to tell people that he has another writing project, that he's writing yet another book. Oh, yeah. Mostly just, I think, to get information out of people. So, yeah, I don't think he actually is going to write this one. But he starts telling people that he's going to write a biography of J.J. Hockenfield and that he's going to, like, start going through the the archives of the newspaper to try to dig up any dirt that he can. Mm-hmm. 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 So that was interesting. But, yeah. Oh, I know the ultimate cliffhanger. Yes. Are you ready? Yes. Will he or won't he get back into acting? Hmm, <laughs> I think that's the cliffhanger for the book. Yeah, that's probably like the series cliffhanger. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, did Sabrina come to visit him at the end? Oh, I don't think she has yet. I think they make an appointment too, maybe, or a time. Okay, so this was just a phone call. I think so, yeah. Maybe. Yeah, man, I just really don't know who did it. Do you know who did it? I mean, I guess we are going into the next, the last part in the next episode. Yeah. Oh, I'm on the wrong chapter. That's why I don't understand what this cliffhanger is. Oh. I was like, I think, <laughs> I think this is Sabrina at his house. Um, and what is this character? Um, yeah. No, I, I don't know. I don't know what this next section will bring. It's a mystery. It truly is. I do kind of hope that it was, I mean, I'm kind of back on it. I kind of hope it was Lucy a little bit. That, like, JJ was just such an <laughs> asshole and dogs are just, like, so pure. And, yeah. Like, Lucy was just like, I'm done with this. Yeah, like, I, no, I'm over it. And now I get to go live in the wild and frolic by myself. No human hand yeah. will touch me. <laughs> Except to feed me hot dogs. <laughs> Except for Quillerian. Let me go dig through this dam that he he made so that the forest can, so yeah. that the waterfall can run free again. Yeah, oh my god, yeah, he's like an environmental vigilante. <laughs> <laughs> Or she, sorry, she, Lucy. Yeah. Well, thanks, guys, for listening. I think, yeah, I think that wraps it up for this section. We will bring you the last section oh. of the book, the very last fourth. And then we don't know what's happening after that. Yeah, no, we haven't even talked about it yet, but we will let you know as soon as we know. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we do. Okay, so we do have <laughs> the second part of 14 Tales. That's true, we do on the back burner we do we do have that on the back burner <laughs> um we also have some fun new non-cat who books um that's true that that i picked up yes at, at a, a free bookstore that were free to me <laughs> that i <laughs> that i'm really excited about but yeah we have i think we have a, a, a few options should we do like a poll on instagram oh my god we could do a poll yeah what you guys want us to yeah that's a good idea we could do it like do you want us to start this book or do you finally want the ghost story that we promised you that's true yeah or should we just dive right back into another cat who yeah Ooh. should we continue on with cat who or should we take a take a gander at sneaky pie brown's books oh god i want to start those so bad I mean, we have a lot of options here. We do. We have so many options. Okay, yeah. We'll do an Instagram poll and you guys let us know because we definitely want you guys to be happy with what we do too. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. And there are so many like cozy cat mystery books that, I mean, I wouldn't want to like saturate our 
Cat Who series with Cat Who books if we want to diverge from Lillian Jackson Braun for like a time or two. That's true, which we've always said is that we are all all encompassing here with our cat murder mystery content. It's true. It's true. And we have done. Oh, actually, no, this is just I was going to say we've done two in a row, but we took such a long. I know. We, took, yeah. <laughs> we absolutely did not do two in a row. That's so we could just do another one right in a row. That's do, true. Do do another cat who book. That's true. Oh, my God. Chuni, close your eyes while you sleep. You are so creepy right now. Oh, God, that sounds horrifying. <laughs> He's just like on the chair, like staring at me, but I'm pretty sure he's OK. He turned over. Oh, my God. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was asleep. He just looked like a psychopath. <laughs> oh, I'll have to live through. I'm I'm in a hotel with no cats. <gasps> no cats. Oh, the saddest amount of cats. I know, but I am getting a lot of pictures from John. John did t- send me a picture today that was like, he, it just said, I'm getting nothing done today. And it was him with like Murphy draped around his neck. And I was like, no, oh, you're getting some cuddles done. That's all. <laughs> <laughs> that's important too. Yeah. So yeah, so yeah, look out for that. We'll post a little poll and see what you guys want us to do next after the cat who moved a mountain. So we'll have one more episode of that. And mm-hmm. then we'll do dealer's choice. We'll see what we do after yeah. that. That'll be really fun. Yeah, let us know. Um, yeah, so look out for that. Come in probably sometime next week um, on the social needs where you can find us at Paranormal Captivity Pod on Instagram and Paranormal Pod on Twitter. Um, we're also on Goodreads, which I forgot. I kept forgetting to mention for the last couple of episodes. But we do have a Goodreads book club, which is really fun. And I post uh, as much as we do plan ahead. I post books there <laughs> of the things that we're reading. And I'll try to get better, too, about posting the, like, segments that we're reading, too. So if you want to follow along with our chapters uh, that we're reading, you can do that there. We're also on Patreon, and we're just so, so grateful for everyone who gives there. That is just so sweet, and we are so super grateful And then, yeah, lastly, if you do have a minute and want to review us on iTunes, that would be really sweet, too. People have been um, reviewing us really well on there, and that is just very super helpful. So thank you for that. And I think that's it. Woo! (laughs) Okay, small Chuni update. Is Chuni okay? Chuni is fine. Chuni, you okay, bud? Yeah, he's ignoring me. Okay, great. So back to normal. (laughs) just a weird ghost spell oh yeah definitely a ghost don't get haunted (laughs) yeah i'm a little bit worried this hotel is haunted but it's fine oh no um all right bye bye